You did the thing again. <laughs> yep. Welcome to uh, Talk About the Thing. Um, we are back after a brief. What is. Hiatus? Hiatus? Unintentional hiatus? We got busy with some shit and then we, we weren't able to record. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're we're back again. And. Um, Hello. So, how are you? You alright? Are you sitting on your foot while you're listening to this? Because don't do that, you'll cut off your circulation. Yeah, and unclench your jaw and sit up straight. Sit up straight, relax your shoulders. We're helpful. Yes. We're a helpful podcast. Yes. Now go out there and make your dreams come true. It's not that easy, Wyatt. Nonsense. Everybody everybody in the world makes, you know, a decent living. And is able-bodied. Now go out and make your dreams come true. It's so easy for everyone to make their dreams come true. Everyone's in exactly the same financial situation. Yeah. the same shelter situation. (laughs) And the same food situation. Everything is fine. And you're able to pursue your dreams without any kind of obstacle. So go do. I wanted to do something very special for this edition. Because it occurred to me... Go away, Facebook notification. I'm in the middle of something. You don't have Facebook closed? Wyatt, we've talked about this. No, there are notifications coming up on, on my Apple devices. Go away. Oh, okay. Phone and iPad. Sponsored by Zune. Um. <laughs> now, for this episode, I realized I had a really wonderful opportunity in front of me. Literally. Hey, hi. Hey, hey girl. <laughs> because uh, my podcast partner and bff partner in crime is a burgeoning stand-up comic and i thought to myself you know i have the opportunity here to capture a moment in time and see uh a young woman's this might be a bit of a grandiose term but her (laughs) star on the rise oh that's very sweet yeah i'm not saying you're ever going to be like Amy Poehler or something, or Tina Fey, but... I would like to so I could write a book, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah! And you'll have a really cool, spunky cover. You'll have a thumbs up, and you're like, yeah! Robin Crow's sure. Way! Right? Crow's yeah. Nest! Crow's Nest! And it'd just be a really bad, like, awful pun. Oh my god, yeah. I feel like Crow's Nest would be the name of my sitcom, though. And it, would be, mu- it would be a show like every everything according to Jim, where it's like bad, but it's still on the air. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. Uh, hey, it worked for Big Bang Theory. Oh boy, did it ever! It's getting its own fucking spinoff. Who the fuck gave Big Bang Theory a spinoff? And to Sheldon of all people, and it's just it's about an autistic child, and, and he's not really autistic because his mom had him tested or whatever. But like, fuck, I j- ugh. I'm, t- I'm so pissed about it. I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, this is terrible. Like, I was just Stop. Mad. My eyes can't roll anymore. Exactly. It's just Anyway, it's getting back to Don't you. Don't watch Big Bang Theory. It's a terrible fucking show that has, it's just, it's so bad for the nerd community and the autism community and the, the women, just it's bad for women. It's just, it's a bad show. Don't watch it. So getting back to you, oh, uh, I thought I would take the opportunity <laughs> And uh, quite simply, I'm going to interview Robin Crow because That's me. what better time than now? Because you're kind of uh, finding your groove in the 
uh, in the comedy scene of your local yeah. um, circuit. Would that be sure. the correct term? Yeah, I'm starting to get known around Vancouver a little bit. Just a little bit, because I'm only doing like open mics for the most part. But yeah. yeah. So I'm going to interview you and ask you some uh, questions that I came up with hurriedly. Sure. <laughs> no, nice. there, there, it wasn't hurriedly. I, I, I put a lot of thought into it. Because, oh, cool. because, you know, I wanted it to sound... I did an interview when I was in college with uh, this paraplegic girl. And I always regretted the fact that it didn't go better than it did because I watched a lot of Craig Ferguson when he was doing his talk show. And I'm like, man, I want to be that guy. And I wanted to be a, an awesome conversational interviewer like him, but I never pulled mm-hmm. it off. So... Mm-hmm. Consider so this. This is, good, this is good for you too, though, as a radio guy, which is kind of cool. Because yeah. it's like, it's good for me as like a burgeoning comedian. Because it's <laughs> it means circuit. that I get to like, I get to practice being interviewed. Because it's going to happen so much more in my life as the years go on. Oh fuck um, yeah! <laughs> I mean, I hope so. I like talking about myself, but so does everyone. Yeah. Hence this podcast. Um, <laughs> but like, it's also it's also good for you as like a radio guy and interviewer guy. So that's pretty yeah. cool. So, yeah. Robin Crow, there's some things I'd like to know about you. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> now, the first thing, uh, well, obviously, the root of everything I want to know is really why. Why stand-up comedy? Why are you doing this? Honestly, because it's it's something I've always wanted to do ever since I was, like, 11 or something. Like, I went through this phase where I was watching a whole bunch of the comedy network, which is, like, Comedy Central, but Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was watching a lot of, like, Just for Laughs and, um, like, other stand-up stuff. And it was always something that I wanted to do. But I never considered myself a funny person until maybe, like, my mid-teens. And even then, not so much. And so it just kind of... I know, it's been a long process, like, getting here, but... It also kind of came from the fact that I didn't see a lot of female comedians, which is changing, thankfully, which is oh, yeah. great. But it's it was also something I wanted. I wanted to see because it's still very like unbalanced. Like most open mics and shows that I go to are like ninety percent dudes, and White which is dudes? great. Like, <laughs> yep, um, <laughs> I thought so. Yeah, and which is fine. Like I think they're hilarious, but I just I wish that there were more female comedians and so i figured like you know be the change you want to see in the world or whatever i mean you'd be hard pressed to name an art form that's not male dominated when you get right down to it like i'm struggling to think of like a style of music or like movies that's not overrun by mayonnaise dudes i mean yeah that's kind of true the only thing i can think of is like uh, singer-songwriters? There's a lot of female singer-songwriters, I guess. That's true. I guess so, yeah. To be fair, I grew up in the 90s. The Lilith Fair era. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so... Do, do you feel like you've handled yourself well in a admittedly male-dominated field? I mean, I th- I think so. I, I've been told that I'm funny for a girl before. <laughs> That's not cool. Is, no, it's not. Um, it was just by, like, a drunk guy after an, an open mic. Well, actually, a couple drunk guys after a couple open mics. But, yeah, I've gotten a lot of fun reactions from drunk people after shows, which is pretty great. Like, I got Ooh. kissed on the cheek by a pretty girl once, and I was like, oh, thank Aww. you, stranger. I never learned her name, but she was like, you're so funny. 
And I was like, cool, bye. <laughs> like it was, so that was nice. It's, but I mean, yeah, I think I'm doing all right. Like I seem to be holding my own. I seem to be getting like a fair amount of, you know, spots and opportunities. And I've only been at it for like six or seven months. And because of school and stuff, I wasn't able to do a lot of it. But considering like how much time I've had, I think I've made pretty good progress. And with regards to the, you know, male dominated thing, I've made a lot of new male friends because of it, which is kind of cool. You're not like, you're not like the token chick though, are you? No. Um, the the only thing was like when I was first starting out, some people would assume that I was somebody's girlfriend. Um, (laughs) that's the thing that happens sometimes, but, but like after, you know, people kind of realized that I was a comedian. They were like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. And a lot of people were, you are aware of the discrepancy of, you know, like female comics and male comics, at least in the Vancouver scene. Um, so people are kind of like, oh, that's cool. Like you're a girl doing comedy. Like this is pretty great. Um, and I hope that one day we can get to a place where it's just like, I'm just a comedian and I'm not like a female comedian or like a queer female comedian or, or like all these, you know, labels. But you know, at the moment I am I'm trying to represent my sisters a little bit, I guess. Um, I, I want to go back to something that you said earlier. Oh, yeah, you sure. grew up a lot watching Comedy Network, and I did mm-hmm. too. I loved uh, old Comedy Network stuff. And mm-hmm. they would show like that, like just for last festival footage all yeah. the time. I yeah. have to ask, uh, growing up, like who were like who who were like some points of reference for you, like when you were starting your own stuff, like. Who can you point Ooh. to and, and be like, oh, I, 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 will, I want to emulate like something like that. In terms of influences, I think the first, the first couple of influences that are coming to mind right now are like John Mulaney and Eliza Schlesinger, which is kind of weird because I, I really liked John Mulaney's like storytelling style of comedy, which is something that I've since figured out is not really my style. Like it can kind of you know, pick a topic and tell a bunch of jokes around that topic. But in terms of like telling stories and injecting them with jokes, I haven't quite got there yet. I'd like to one day be able to do that. But um, that was kind of what I set out to try writing at first. And I remember like, Wyatt, you were one of the first people to hear my early stand up. Actually, you were like the very first person, I think. Uh, and Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. yeah, but we literally like had a Skype call and I read out my jokes to you and I was telling this story and you laughed about twice and then you were like, okay, like this is some stuff that's not working and I went and I fixed it and so, sorry, I just burped. <laughs> but like now I have, now I have like some jokes that work um, and in terms of like storytelling stuff, like I'm still trying to get there, but and I'm not quite there yet. Um, and Eliza Schlesinger, as well as like Maria Bamford, they did a lot of voices in their acts. And I do a little bit of that now, but it's not, it's not to the, to, to the degree that they do. Um, did you so. see Maria Bamford's special where the only audience was just her parents in her living room? Oh, I couldn't make it through it. That was so I've, crazy, it, wasn't it's, it? It's so uncomfortable for me. Um, and s- same with like the early, the first half of the new old baby special. I feel that way too, where it's just, it's just her in her mirror, or it's just her in front of her husband, or it's her in front of those like three people. Like it's just that first bit is really, it's it's weird. Like because comedy being done for one person is is inherently uncomfortable. And yeah. I kind of like that she goes there, but I, but in terms of like the special, 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 which is what you're talking about, I just totally <laughs> messed up the title. Special, but, special, um, special. It's hard. It's a tongue twister. That's so weird. You wouldn't think it would be. But yeah, the special, special, special. Uh, <laughs> that one, I, I couldn't make it through because it was so uncomfortable for me to watch just like this 
like comedy being done to two people like yeah yeah it's inherently uncomfortable but but at the same time i i respect the fact that maria went there with that um but i I like how it's done better in old baby where it starts small and then eventually ends on like a big crowd so you kind of see what she's able to do in front of a proper audience because that's it's also just more palatable i don't think i saw old baby i don't know i think i need to oh check it out i really really liked it because I already like Maria Bamford, that mm-hmm. um, that delightful little yeah. weirdo. It's also a good, if you're not familiar with Maria Bamford, Old Baby is also just kind of a good starting point for her stuff, I think. Because she begins it by saying, like, a kind of a disclaimer of, like, maybe you won't enjoy this, basically. <laughs> like, she says it in a, in a really clever and funny way, but basically she kind of acknowledges the fact that she has like quite an individual voice when it comes to comedy well many individual voices but she has like this very distinct style of comedy that's not for everyone and she's fully aware of that and she kind of acknowledges that up top which i think is cool so she's not acquired taste stuff, for sure yeah, yeah but i've always loved her she was one of those people that i watched on like just for laughs early on and was like yeah this girl's awesome can you describe your first performance in your own words uh, sure <laughs> I just had dinner, so I shouldn't be doing a podcast because I'll just be burping this whole time. So apologies for that, but also no apologies because I'm a human being. Obviously, like you're probably like super nervous, or maybe you oh, weren't. I was. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's a safe assumption. Yeah, it was incredibly nervous. Um, I, I want to. Co- okay. Um, when I wasn't. This is going to sound unrelated, but it's it's not, I promise. When I was in high school, I did a lot of slam poetry. um, And I remember the first time I went to, like, a a public poetry slam reading, my mom was like, oh, I remember the first poetry, like, the first poetry reading I ever did. It felt so vulnerable, and I felt so, like, nervous and so open. And it was just, it was so nerve-wracking. So I just, I want you to know that that's normal. And I did the mic, and I didn't feel that way when I was doing it. Um, I just, it was just... It's very natural for me to be vulnerable, I guess, but it was, I don't know. I just wanted to, like, say stuff and get it out there, and I didn't quite know what she was talking about, but the first time I ever did stand-up in front of a crowd, I 100% knew what my mom was talking about. That was my version of that, like, openness and vulnerability, and maybe it was because I was, like, doing it to try and get a certain reaction from the audience. Maybe that was the nerve-wracking part, is that it, like, depended more on the audience's reaction to it, but it was... Yeah, I finally understand understood what my mom meant at that show because I was so incredibly nervous. But but it was great. I um I did it at Seven Dining Lounge in Vancouver, which like fun fact, Maria Bamford has performed at. Um, so that was a fun thing going into. That was one of the reasons I picked that open mic too, was because I was like, oh, this seems like a cool place, and <gasps> she might have breathed on this mic. Exactly. <laughs> like that's kind of part of it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I um, yeah the the host was really great, and they knew like everybody in the crowd kind of knew it was my first time because they sort of announced it, and it was this very like welcoming atmosphere, and people were drunk, so they were laughing a lot. It was very encouraging, and uh, yeah, I was incredibly nervous, but it ended up being fine. Like people laughed, and that was all I could have hoped for, and I've been doing it ever since. So yeah, and like coming off stage was like elation or was it like anxious like oh i wish i'd done this or 
Oh, total elation. I, I knew for a fact that I'd fuck some stuff up, but I was still, I was just proud of myself for doing it. You know what I mean? Like it was just one of those things that I'd always wanted to try, um, and always wanted to pursue and it just, it went well and that was all I could have asked for. So it was great. What's off limits for you? Like material wise, like what, what are the things like that Robin Crow would like just never touch ever? Um, well, for me, I always try to write material about stuff that affects me personally. Um, so I write stuff about, you know, like being a woman and being a woman on the internet and being like a honey nut queerio and like, you know, just kind of stuff that affects me personally. And therefore, I feel like I can talk about from a really honest and really personal place. Um, and so for me, stuff that's off limits is basically anything that doesn't affect me personally. So I don't really talk about race i'd rather i'd much rather give a platform to other comedians who are talking about race in in a personal way um than you know try and speak for them although i've also thought about the fact that like maybe using my privilege for good could be a good thing but i at this point in time like i just talk about stuff that affects me personally because i feel like that's the safest thing to do almost (laughs) okay so you know, it, it's 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 very it's very personal and very introspective. So, like like you're not going up and ranting about the man per se. It's just more. Oh, I do a bit of that too. <laughs> okay. Well, I I have this whole joke where I talk about like Donald Trump and Mike Pence and the the American government and how ridiculous it is and never heard of a home. <laughs> exactly, but. I, so I, I do rant about the man, but at the same pla- at the same time, like the place that I'm coming from with that joke specifically is about how Mike Pence is homophobic and I'm bisexual and how it affects me, even though I don't live in the States, but like how like attitudes like his affect me, like homophobia in general and how it relates to me. So even when I am, you know, ranting about the man, I still try to make it about me because I'm a narcissist. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of performers are to a certain extent. Mm hmm. Can confirm. <laughs> yeah. I have an eyelash in my eyeball. That's terrible. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I hate this. <laughs> Your eyes just closed. Oh, honey, deal with it. <laughs> honey, go to the bathroom and deal with it. I got this. I got this. I got, some, I got questions to get through. God damn it. I'm going to power through this. Oh, my God. Um... Before you go on stage, or even, like, before you go to the comedy club, like, do you have rituals? Like, is there something you drink? Or is there something, like, you listen to? What what pumps you up? Um, I listen to OK Go. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know, like, I bought the first two OK Go albums in October of 2016 when I was starting stand-up, and so it became... And then I bought, like, the two... Their two other albums, because they have four albums in total, and I bought their other two albums, like, shortly after that, kind of all in that, like, one-month period when I was, like, really into stand-up and really, like, doing it as much as I could and really, really into it. So now it kind of... It brings me back to... Because you know how sometimes, like, music can bring you back to the time in your life when you were listening to it a lot? Yes. OK Go is like that for me because it brings me back to this time when I like the novelty of stand up was still apparent for me. And I was really, really excited about going to shows like not that I'm not now, like I'm still really excited about going to shows. But it just I don't know. It, it reminds me of that, like fresh faced comedian that I was six months ago. I, I'm talking <laughs> like I'm it's this old hat for me. It's really not. But it's uh, 
yeah, it just, it just takes me back to that time and gets, helps me get, like, super pumped about it. And I'll usually have, like, a, a drink at the venue of some sort, usually, like, a Coke or a Pepsi or whatever kind of cola they have, just a, a little bit of caffeine before I go up. Comedians tend to use the stand-up medium as kind of like a launch pad to get into television, like Seinfeld mm-hmm. or Titus, or like Chris Rock got into movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, he had a show. He had a show? Oh, yes, he had uh, every, yeah, the talk show. Chris. And no, he had a talk show Chris. in the 1990s, the Chris oh, Rock show. Yeah, oh, that's cool. I didn't actually know about that. I yeah. was thinking of uh, Everybody Hates Chris. I never watched that. It was. It's a good show. It said a lot of really good stuff about like you know race and and how it goes on in the states. And it was, yeah. It was also just like plain funny. I really liked it. I was never like you know like an avid watcher of it, but it, I'd watch it when it was on, and I always really liked it. Okay. Um. Yeah. He he had a talk show during the whole like, uh, Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky years, and he oh got boy, some uh, where was I? Uh, or, like, they'll get into voice acting, like Eugene Merman and Kristen mm-hmm. Shaw got on to Bob's Burgers. And Maria Bamford. And, um, what was it, uh, Dan Mintz? Yeah, he, yeah, he does stand-up, and Dan he's Mintz, hilarious. Yeah. Oh my god, his stand-up is amazing. It's just, like, monotone one-liners, yes. and it's just... He's adorable. It's so fucking good. Even... He's, he, yeah. Yeah. He is, he's adorable. That's the, that's the proper way. That's he's exactly, kind of like a much more deadpan exactly Nemo Phillips, if that makes sense. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, because they both have that kind of like weird surrealist one-liner yeah. kind of thing going on. Are you an Emo Phillips But he's much more deadpan. He, um, I've never seen like any of his full specials, but I've seen, you know, clips online and he's done just for laughs. Like I watched him yeah. a lot when I was like, you know, a preteen and in that kind of phase. So... Yeah, I I could I couldn't like name one of his or actually nope I just remembered one of his bits just now, where he was saying I forget exactly what it was but the punchline was like, it was it was a French seagull questioning things and the punchline was pourquoi or something like that it was just I don't remember what it was it was just um, it was ridiculous but that's the only like joke of his that I remember because I quote it all okay. the time <laughs> the pourquoi thing whenever I say why I'm always like pourquoi <laughs> like it's just, yeah. um. Oh, what's a, what's a, what's an old favorite emo Phillips joke? I remember. I, sorry, sorry to reminisce, but um, no, 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 it's fine. Um, it was great. I can't imitate his voice because it's too out there. Yeah. you have to hear him for yourself. But he, yeah, uh, one joke. Uh, I I loaned my brother ten thousand dollars for plastic surgery, and now I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. Something like that, like, um, like, would you ever use stand-up as, like, a jumping-off point for movies or TV or voice acting or something like that? Or do you think it's ever going to be something you'll leave behind, really? Pull a Tim Allen, is what I'm saying. Um, oh, man, that's a really good question. I, uh, I mean, I really like the idea of, of storytelling in general. That's kind of what I've always wanted to do. Like, I've thought about like what I want to be doing with my life in general. And I think I'd be happiest if I were storytelling in any capacity, whether it was, you know, um, like directing or writing music or, you know, writing books or acting or like any of that. And so I, I feel just like telling stories in general would be great. Um, I don't see myself leaving stand up behind because I really love doing it so much, 
But at the same time, I was recently reading Steve Martin's book all about like his, the period of light, uh, period of his life when he was doing stand up, born standing up. Yeah, I read <laughs> and, uh, that. he, mm-hmm, it's it's a great book. Um, I strongly recommend it to comedians. But he talks in that about how, like he became so big as a stand-up comedian. Like, I don't think this is going to happen for me. I don't think I'm ever going to be, like, a huge, big stand-up comedian, nor, nor do I want that because of the shit that it leads to, that, like Steve Martin was talking about, where he was doing these shows in these giant venues that aren't conducive to comedy. Like, there was um, this podcast I was listening to. It was, like, Pete Holmes and another comedian talking about something. It was probably You Made It Weird, his podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were saying, like, when did we all start pretending that Madison Square Garden is, like, the ideal place to do stand-up. You know what I mean? Um, And I I feel like I really identify with that. And so if I ever got to, like, a level of success that, like, Steve Martin had or, or, you know, these other guys where I I had to do stand-up in, like, giant fucking venues, I don't think I would want to do that anymore because I would... I like doing it in smaller spaces and, you know, being present with the crowd, so... Intimate venues. Exactly, yeah. And so... I would probably, like, quit touring and maybe do pop-up spots in smaller venues every once in a while mm. if, if that were to happen. Um, like I said, I don't think it will. Like, I don't, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to be, like, a famous comedian. I just want to be, you know, successful enough to, like, not have to have another job. You know what I mean? Like, Fair that's enough. kind of the end goal for me. I just want to be, like, storytelling professionally eventually. Steve Martin just got... Um, too, he he was too much of a celebrity to do stand-up. It's rare that that exactly, happens. Exactly, yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. So I'm saying, like, if in the rare case, if something like that were to happen to me, then yeah, I would probably leave it behind. But um, in general, I, I don't see myself leaving, leaving it behind. But of course, I can't speak for my future self. Like, there was a time when I was a teenager where I was like, I am going to write novels, I'm going to write young adult fiction, and that's all I'm going to do, and that's what I want to do with my oh. life. And now here I am, like, telling jokes about the president. So it's like, I don't know where my life's going to go. Did you NaNoWriMo? Oh, I still NaNoWriMo. Yeah, you seem it. like I, that I've done it every person. November since I was... 16 i want to say i've done it i I don't finish i think i've only finished like once or twice um but it's just a fun activity and it just it gets you to write and that's good (laughs) i think it's just a fun activity i I seldom win but it's it's a fun time um nanowrimo for for anybody who doesn't know nanowrimo stands for national novel writing month sorry i keep burping fuck i (laughs) It happens every November, and people try to write a 50,000-word book in 30 days. Um, so you have to write, on average, about 1,600 words a day. Motherfucker. It's, um, yeah, it's very daunting, but it's very fun. Um, and I encourage anybody who enjoys you know, writing or storytelling, just to just give it a shot. Try it out. It's a fun activity, and um, you get to write whatever you want, and you get to suck, and nobody ever has to see it. And it's just kind of like... It gives you an opportunity to suck at writing. And Maureen Johnson, who's one of my favorite authors, I think she's great. She talks all the time about how how much you need to suck when you're a writer in order to get to, you know, the good stuff. You've got to, like, write for a long time in this period of sucking. So, yeah. Suck at NaNoWriMo. Do that. Suck at NaNoWriMo. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I'm going to play the word association game with you. Okay. Because who the fuck doesn't love that? Sure. Um, 
Is this like say the same thing? No, this is just, I'm going to say oh. like a word or a name and you're just going to tell me the first word or phrase or thought that comes to your mind. It's okay. very simple. Uh, okay. Comedy. Funny? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if this is how it's supposed to go. Oh no, it's just it's just you know um, what what it makes. All right, cool. It, I, I'm just trying to gauge um, like what it makes you feel, like what it makes you feel okay. like, and like gauge what your thought processes are like, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I I know it's very like, simple. Like how comedy makes me feel. Yeah, like how you feel about it, or oh. like how uh, how you see happy. It. It makes me feel happy. All right. Well, that cancels yeah. out the next one. The next one was happiness. So it's just going to be this... Antidepressants. <laughs> um, <laughs> brain candy. Uh, hero. Like comedy hero? Um, Any hero, really. Whatever heroes come any to hero? mind. Any hero? Oh, boy. Beyonce? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first name that popped into my head. <laughs> I think it's like a law if you're a woman that Beyonce has to be your hero now. I mean, if you're a strong, empowered woman, she has to be your hero. Or if you just think you're strong and empowered, because we all do. Uh, religion. My grandma listens to this podcast. <laughs> Celebrity. Culture. Just Culture culture i don't know it's just i i i guess i was just completing a phrase of like celebrity culture okay i don't know um, it's i think celebrities are part of the culture and i wish that we would treat celebrities in a way that was more like people and less like animals in a zoo um but i do think that it is important to have like idols and entertainers and people that we look up to but we should also treat them with respect i guess is like I'm not playing this game right. I'm giving you phrases and like entire thought processes. No, no, this is great. Like, okay, cool. Kate McKinnon. Wife. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Future wife. Fair enough. Yes. Uh, One day we will be a comedy power couple and it will be a great day. <laughs> Hollywood. Sign. <laughs> Hollywood. Oh my god, Hollyweed. Um, uh, dog. Oh boy. Sapphire. Mm. That's my dog's name, and I love her so much. Now I'm happy. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> my dog's name is Sapphire Scrump. She's half rough collie and half husky, and I love her, and she's fuzzy, and you can see her on my Instagram. Robin the Crow. She is big fluff. She is a big fluff, and I love she her. Is. She has two different colored eyes. She's heterochromia, and it's really, it's pretty. She's the only hetero thing about your life. Hey. Hey. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Cat. A cat. <laughs> I don't know much about cat. I haven't had a cat since I was a kid, so I don't, I don't have much association with You had with a cat cats. when you were a kid? I had two cats when I was a kid. I only remember one of them, though, because one of them passed away when I was in that, like, you know, early childhood phase before developing memories. I'm sorry. 
Yeah. No, his name was Ernie, and he was orange, and I don't remember him at all. And then we had another cat named Pilocket, who was a black cat, and he was beautiful. And I remember him, like, sleeping on my chest a lot when I was little, and it crushing me, because <laughs> I was small, and he was like, you're fine, and I was like, you're killing me, and it was nice. <laughs> and finally, Bob Saget. Uh, I don't have much of an opinion on Bob Saget. His fun, his name is fun to say as a swear word when you're in a situation where you can't swear. <laughs> I know somebody that did that, and now it's something that I do. Bob Saget. You, we, yeah, we used to work together, and we worked in a place where you couldn't swear because it was, you know, customer service, and there were kids there and stuff. And so whenever she, you know, messed up or something went wrong, she'd be like, Bob Saget, and it just became this, like, swear word in our workplace. And I loved it, and I still use it to this day. Whenever I'm in a situation where I can't swear, it's just, it's something about it. It sounds sweary. I'm sure. Plus, he swears a lot, so it kind of works. I'm sure Bob Saget would be honored by this association. I feel like it's something he'd appreciate. Um, Oh, yeah. The man sang a song called My Dog Licked My Balls. Of course he'd be thrilled to leave a legacy oh my like God. that of course he did he was yeah i don't know much about him all i all i get is the impression that he like was this you know family sitcom star and then he's kind of trying to break away from that by talking about fucking animals as much as he possibly can um which is fair that's kind of the same thing that like you know former disney channel stars have done like miley cyrus and i feel <sighs> like <laughs> why do you hate uh, miley cyrus yeah I think Miley Cyrus just either. exists so Katy Perry can look that much less annoying by comparison, and it's mm. really fucked up how much it's working. Mm. <sighs> Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, that interview having been uh, done, we'll return to our regular podcast personas. <laughs> And uh, whoa, Wayne! <laughs> let's try the Scooby Doo ending. Scooby Doo ending. <laughs> we both went to Scooby Doo ending. <laughs> I love our friendship. Oh my god, we both were automatically like Scooby Doo ending is the best ending. <laughs> it's old man Winters, the guy who runs the haunted amusement park. And they only <laughs> introduced that guy at the very beginning just so he could come back at the end. Just so he can come back for the Scooby Doo ending. The most. The most useless, like, Chekhov's gun ever. Oh, my God. Um, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, see Wayne's World. It has a Scooby-Doo ending, oh and it's God. great. Oh, my God. Rather than everyone seen Wayne's World. Come on. Not everyone. I didn't <laughs> see it in the first part of my life, and then I saw it after. So. Wayne's World sums up that weird little pocket of, like, when the 80s were becoming the 90s. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Much better than, like, the Vanilla Ice movie did. Oh, my God. (laughs) The Vanilla Ice movie was just, like, a bunch of music videos strung together with, like, kind of a plot. Yeah. Kind of like Suicide Squad movie. I'm throwing shade, but I haven't actually seen the Suicide Squad movie. I've just heard yeah, that either. from multiple people. I stopped watching yeah. DC movies after Dark Knight Rises. I might see Wonder Woman. I don't know. I want to see Wonder Woman. I've heard really good things. Yeah. Okay. So it's time for a little <laughs> something we call the Jam, Joke, and Check-In. Do you want to go week, first? Joke of the Week. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Do you want to go first? What's your, what's your Jam of the Week? My jam of the week is Lady Gaga's Born This Way album. I was just like jamming out to it. I was um, cleaning house the other day and I just put on 
I was, I was using a CD player, so I was like, oh, what CDs do I have? And that was one of them. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll listen to that. Um, and I haven't had it. like ordinary comic cleaning up the house. I'm not very proud of myself. Oh, my God. Was that a talking head? How dare you? How dare you appropriate the talking heads to make a mediocre joke? How dare you? I would fire you if you didn't do like 90% of the work for this podcast. I do. I do a lot. I do. I, you, you I, do. I put up with a lot from her. And you like edit them and stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> and you put up with me, I guess. That's part of it too. But that's just like part of our friendship though. Like that's yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, my jam of the week is the hives. Because I fucking hey. love the hives. They are such hey. an amazing. They're now on my live bucket list. I don't know why. I just randomly was like, you know what I'm in, in the mood for? The hives. And if you look up live clips, their lead singer... Oh, they look amazing live. Oh, my God. Their lead singer mm-hmm. is called Howlin' Pell. Howlin' Pell! Howlin' Pell. And Howlin everybody else Pell. in the band is like, uh, like cool pseudonyms like Nicholas Arson and shit like that. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Nicholas and- Arson. He's just like a superhero that only half-assed it with a secret identity thing. That's so good. Dr. Matt Destruction. Oh and all the other guys have like other ones. <laughs> I don't know. That's so good. I think the guitar player and the and uh, the singer Howlin' Pell, I think they're brothers. Don't quote me on Aww. that. Anyway, the hives are amazing and they have really uh, frenetic uh, high energy, awesome garage mm-hmm. rock songs. And yeah. they're basically like if you... Uh, jammed Mick Jagger in the heart with a shot of adrenaline and just set him loose on an unsuspecting crowd. And it's just like... I'm alive! Yeah. yeah. Howlin' <laughs> Pell is a better Mick Jagger than Mick Jagger. Although that's not fair, because Mick Jagger's like fucking 80 now. But he's still got them moves like Jagger. Don't remind me of Maroon 5 on my podcast. How dare you? It's our podcast. You come into my and house. That song is Maroon Five and Christina Aguilera. So that doesn't improve. That doesn't. Christina Aguilera. I never thought I'd say this about you, but that was beneath you. Throwing that shade at Christina Aguilera. I don't throw Savage. shade. I launch it out of a fucking cannon. Savage. I keep burping. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. If anybody has like burpophobia or whatever the fuck it's called. Actually, I think it's uh, a fetish in some corners of the internet. Oh, fuck. I don't need another fucking fetishist. Okay, can I just say, as a ginger woman on the internet, I've been getting creepy comments from fetishists since I was 14 years old, and it has to fucking stop, and I hate it. Thank you for rolling your eyes at that, Wyatt. I agree. I agree that I shouldn't have been getting creepy comments from fetishists when I was 14. It's the worst. Don't creep 14-year-old girls in the internet, you dicks. Agreed. Why would you... What's... what's, What the fuck was wrong with your upbringing where you think that's... Cool or... Anyway. (laughs) I love the way you're 
shaming them. You're shaming them like a like a disappointed dad. Like you think it's cool to do weed? You think it's cool to harass ginger girls? You think it's neato? You I'm not mad. Radical? You're an file. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm mad at pedophiles. <laughs> Sorry, we differ on that a little bit. Uh, uh, so, joke of the week? What you got? Joke of the week. Oh, um, Power Thirst. It had Oldie the 10-year anniversary. It had their, they had the 10-year anniversary for that YouTube sketch um, at the end of May, and I just, I love it. It's so good. The vo- voice by Mark Little, of course. One of your favorites. Yeah, Mark Little, my favorite comedian. So, yeah. Ah. My joke of the week is the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation where all of a sudden, stay with me on this one, out of the blue, Data develops this fascination with um, small talk. He adds a special thing of small talk to his fucking android subroutines. And so he's, oh my god, and he's standing in the elevator, the turbo lift with uh captain picard and he's like it has been quite a day uh, yes <laughs> and he starts um chattering on about random subjects and picard's oh like god. what the fuck are you doing and he's like oh my god i have noticed that humans tend to fill up uh awkward silences with small talk so i have added a function to my subroutines <laughs> and so oh my god it's so cute but it's so funny and so uh picard and Riker. Commander Riker has the same idea. He's like, we should introduce you to this admiral at the party. And this admiral is just, is just this classic, annoying, middle-aged dude at <laughs> the party who just yammers on about nothing. Just hours of small talk. And, <laughs> and Data spends like uh, 10 minutes, just five or 10 minutes, just like watching him and like learning his uh, mannerisms. <laughs> and Data. so... I don't know why it's so funny, but it's hilarious. And Riker and Troy are just watching him like, this is an interesting social experiment. How long can two people talk about nothing? Um, according to Seinfeld, 10 seasons. Yeah, uh, Oh, however long Seinfeld lasted. I actually don't know how long Seinfeld lasted. I'm so sorry, Seinfeld fans. Uh, nine seasons, I think. Nine seasons? Okay, well, I was close. If you round up, I'm right, so... Mm. (laughs) Oh, uh, check-in. What's your check-in? Check-in. Oh, um, yeah, I recently started a new YouTube series. I mean, I started it several months ago, but it's actually, like, being edited and uploaded and, like, seen by people now, which is pretty cool. It's called uh, The Real House Lights of Vancouver, and it's about my experience with the Vancouver comedy scene, which is pretty cool. Um, The first episode is up at the time that we're recording this, but the second episode will probably also be up um, by the time this is online. Um, So, yeah, check it out. It's on my channel, uh, youtube.com slash neonvlogfreak, which is the name I came up with when I was 14. Do not judge me. Um, I wasn't. Talking to the listeners. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, stop <laughs> it. Okay. So yeah, that's that's been kind of cool. Uh, and also, I am done school at the moment, and I found a new job where I get to work you know, more mornings, so I've been doing more comedy, which has been pretty great. And uh, yeah. It's been, been, been fun doing more comedy, talking about comedy, just immersing myself in it or whatever, and it's uh, it's been fun. What about uh, you? Hell What's yeah. your check-in? What's you been up to? Um, not really much. Um, I'm in the middle of this really long, awkward thing where I'm 
I am now in my 30s, and uh, I know it's overrated. And uh, I (laughs) 30 and flirty and thriving. Yeah, 30 is the new 20. If you have a young enough looking face, that's I guess that's pretty much how it is. Yeah. Anyway, um, I thought you were younger when we first met, though. So, oh, sorry about that. (laughs) I didn't mean to deceive you. No, no, no. It wasn't a deceptive thing. I just, yeah. Um, anyway, so I never learned to drive. I know this is weird, but it was just an oversight. I never learned to drive a vehicle properly. And now, um, like, I gotta do this so I can be, like, someone worth hiring in my field. So I'm Mm -hmm. picking away at my day job, and I'm also volunteering at the station, uh, I still have a weekly radio show that uh, I produce for them. Late night nineties, yeah. It's so good. I listen to it whenever I can, and it's just oh, it's the bomb. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> you appreciated it. I oh, had. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I've been learning to drive, and I also wanted to point this out. Um, this rarely happens, but uh, it was like a a week ago, over a week, just over a week ago. Um, I got uh, a compliment by this young girl who came into my store, and I'm guessing like either her father or her uncle, and they both recognized my voice and they knew my radio show, and Aww. I was like, oh, that's awesome!" And they're like, "When are you gonna play uh, the Freshman by the Verve Pipe?" And I remembered that and I put it on last week's show. Oh my god, that's so cute! Aww. Mm-hmm. Well, they how often your voice from the radio? Oh my <laughs> god, that's so great! Oh, I love it. Well, yeah, and I played it for them because I'm always willing to take requests as long as it's yeah. actually in the '90s and it's not, yeah. and it's not too loud and abrasive. It is uh, a somewhat contemporary station, so I can't just mm-hmm. go all willy nilly. Um, I was tempted to play "The Lumberjack" by Jackal. Remember Jackal? No. They were like the last hair metal band to be cool. Oh, okay. Before, like, grunge, like, completely took over. Uh, and they had a song. It's like this really uh, heavy ACDC-inspired blues rock song. And uh, instead of a guitar solo, it has a chainsaw solo. Ooh. <laughs> and it's just... And I'm listening to <laughs> it. amazing. And I'm listening to it and I'm just like, this is stupid. This is awesome. <laughs> this is completely not appropriate for contemporary radio. No. So I replaced it with You'll Be In My Heart by Phil Collins from the Tarzan soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck am I kidding? You'll be in my heart. I love that song. You'll be in my heart. Nailed it. This is going to get flagged because that sounded so much like the original. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, that's going to about do it for this edition of Talk About the Thing. Uh, Robin, do you want to do the spiel? Yeah, thoughts, uh, like us and follow I don't know. It's been so long. Uh, f- follow us and like us on Facebook and Twitter at T-A-T-T Podcast. That's T-A-T-T Podcast. 
on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you can also uh, follow me on Twitter at Robin the Crow. Robin is spelled like the bird. Crow is not. Uh, there is an E at the end. Uh, Wyatt, what's your Twitter? I'm eating stale Pringles. I mean, <clears throat> drinkable wizard. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. I'm eating you stale are Pringles. You eating stale Pringles while you're on the air. Oh my god, there's, there are people with misophonia listening to this. They're not going to like it. Yeah, weed them out. I'm sorry, I don't why, mean to we be have, Why We have so few listeners as it is. I don't think you realize how so few listeners we have. We cannot alienate the two people that listen to this, and they are us, okay? We cannot alienate our only listeners who are us. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> was there anything left of your spiel, or was that it? Yes, I think that's it. I feel like there used to be more. Oh, our email! Our email. You can also uh, email us comments, questions, hate mail, pictures of your dog, uh, all that good stuff to talk about the thing at gmail.com. Uh, we may even address it in a future episode. Who knows? Thank you for listening. And uh, we look forward to doing more talking about the thing on Talk About the Thing. Talk About the Thing. Yay. Take care, everybody. We love you. I don't know you, but you seem cool. Bye. Bye.